they asking me. They asking me actually about all these athletes actually. Haphazardly is not one part of the strategy, go. Development. It's all we envelop in telephone. A wealth of intelligence. Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships, basking it in, let's study in the conferences. Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10, SEC, ACC, win, 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 win. It just kind of fades from there, that's good. Yeah, they said like a minute, so. Wait, there's more? Don't forget about the uh, Mountain West, the Mac that can flex, somebody's next, Ivy League fresh, literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. Gee. I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars. Like, I don't know. I, it's too much. I'm done. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. This is Debbie Manuel, episode 42. We are your source for college to camp, college to camping. Good lord. Campus to Canton type leagues. Debbie, college, whatever you want to talk about here. We just kind of talk about it all. We even dive into the NFL a little bit, but we will mostly stick to college. So this week I'm excited. We have a super special guest. Before we get to him, I'd like to introduce my illustrious co-host, Joseph. How you doing, bud? I am good, Dwight. How about you? I'm doing great, man. I'm happy to be on here talking some football and away from work and stuff for a few minutes. So Always. Crazy, crazy week. All right. Jason, next up, our special guest. He is from the Devi Watch. His name is, is it Direnzio? Or I probably should have checked that before. You were, you were so close. It's Dirienzo, but. Dirienzo. All right. Jason, you, you almost nailed Dirienzo. It. <laughs> yeah. It is just how it looks. But I'm sure exactly. you get it all the time. So how you doing, Jason? I am doing awesome, guys. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, I'm excited to talk some college football as well. Brought you on just because. I, I'm sorry, man. I love the Debbie Watch. This is this first couple, these couple days leading up to when it comes out is is like my ha- like one of my favorite times of the year. I always look forward to the first drop, you know, the March first, and so excited about that. So I kind of wanted to talk to you a little bit about you guys' process there and, and how it goes. Like, what what is it like for you building up these these couple months before the Debbie Watch? Like, are you just totally nervous, totally going crazy? Like, just kind of, <laughs> yeah. How's it go, man? Well, first off, I, I appreciate your support, and we're uh, just as anxious as you are, but it's great to hear from those who appreciate it, enjoy it, and you know use it for what it's meant to be, and a, just a great resource for college football prospects, and we go pretty deep, and yeah, it's it's crazy for us. It really is. We put a lot of hours and a lot of family time set aside. I, I know for myself, I have to tell my wife, be like, you're not really going to talk to me for a little while at least a couple weeks until this is all over with and she's fully supportive so i have that support which is great but um no it's it's awesome we get on a call and it's it's like a war room to be quite honest with you and each one of us covers a certain conference and a certain group of guys and you know we build our big board just like i would just say like a general manager and his group i mean we we have our stack of guys that we just kind of put into tiers and I mean, there's a lot of film watching that goes with it, but, you know, we look at it, we try to learn from every single year. What did we do the year before? What worked? What didn't? How are we going to improve? And I'd say over the last few years, this is going to be one of the most superb ones that we put out because of all the different tweaks that we've made based on the things that we've missed on 
not even missed on, just just the learning curves that we've had with prospects. Uh, we want to make sure that we're delivering guys that you're actually going to want to roster. And if you're not rostering them, you should definitely know about them. We, we kind of want to get rid of the clutter and the junk of just guys that possibly have NFL futures. We, we want to make sure that you are rostering guys that really can benefit your teams. Um, and if, if they're not on your radar, we want to make sure that they are. So, I mean, we have 277 profiles that we have coming out in this, in this volume. Uh, we have advanced statistics, uh, with dominator ratings, breakout ages, uh, uh, pass per team, uh, the, the pass per team yard, the tempo. I, I can't even remember all the stuff that we have on there. It's, it's, it's crazy, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we had, uh, probably a list of 350 probably more players that we had stacked up into tiers and we narrowed it down to 277. So that kind of tells you how deep we, we do go. Um, but a great group and you could, you could tell the talents there because we're banging the table for some of our guys and we're not getting off the call until something happens and something moves. So obviously, you know, that, that, that's a testament to just how we feel about some of the prospects that we watch and how much time we put in to say, bang, 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 this is my guy, he's going in, and we got to make sure this happens. And it's a, it's a good debate. It's it's a lot of fun, too. Yeah, it does. That sounds like a blast. You guys have a – because when I first started playing Devi, it was kind of – you know, there were not a lot of resources, it felt like. And it's only been four or five years since I started playing Debbie, Devi, you know, and there was very, very few resources. And you guys is, is one of the first one that I that I picked up, and the, one of the first ones I invested in. And just to even see what you how you guys have grown over the past five years is is amazing. I mean, you put out it's it's a beautiful prod, product. <laughs> I, I, it's gotten a lot more aesthetically pleasing. You know, there's a couple because I remember first like first couple you know reports and things that I got you know from you guys, and then um like Nick Whalen and stuff. I mean, they were just like crazy basic reports, you know, that were like hard to digest, you know, like a whole lot of information because they were just so, you know, plain. <laughs> and, and now they, they, it's nice to see how it's grown and how much you guys have added to it. It's pretty impressive. So. Yeah. You know, and it's funny you say that because that is, like I said, every single year we try to improve. And even with our summaries, we want to make sure that we are telling you exactly what to expect from them as far as Devi goes. And I know, uh, uh, Kyle Francis uh, at Franchise KF on Twitter. He he's making sure that he's putting his college fantasy spin on. As a matter of fact, we have a second volume that comes out a couple months from now. Once we kind of have our spring games and see some updates, we put out a second volume with updates, and he's adding in his coaching changes. and It's incredible, man. I think he goes through nearly every single college team, and he does that all by himself. So he's an absolute maniac. <laughs> yeah. um, and then when you talk about the visuals. Um, Brad McDaniel at DW underscore BMAC and um, Greg Brandt at Debbie Warehouse. They are, man, they're, they're artists when it comes to this whole thing. So you got to give them shout outs as well. Yeah, you guys have an awesome team. Kyle is a freak when it comes to the like the amount of content he puts out, the depth of content he puts out. And I mean, there's some analysis in the uh, like college fantasy football space now, but a few years ago when everyone started really started playing the campus to Canton leagues and stuff, the coaching changes and the vacated production and stuff that he put out is just, it's what I used to kind of identify some hidden sleepers and stuff. And I mean, I've ever since you guys split off and started your own site, I've subscribed to the Debbie watch and I, your publication is probably one of the only ones that I'll refer back to throughout the course of the year, just to, if I'm ever deciding between two players and want a, another opinion. Cause I mean, I host, uh, a Debbie podcast. I'm in a million leagues. 
uh, I watch a lot of these players by myself. But if I ever need like another opinion on something, I'll refer back to your guys' publication. I think it's one of the most invaluable Devi resources on the market. So looking forward to the new one. That That's incredible. And we, we greatly appreciate it. I mean, March 1st is coming. And it's going to release, and we're super excited. And how crazy we are, like literally before I got on this podcast with you guys, we were still talking about what we need to do to make it better, like 30 minutes prior. And you talk about Kyle. I I think I even messaged him because he was talking about the coaching changes. And, yeah, I even told him, like, dude, you are a machine. Like, I don't even know (laughs) how you're going to start this. We just got done writing all this stuff up, and you're already getting started on volume two. So, yeah, he's he's awesome, man. But it's it's an incredible group, Um, you know. just i couldn't ask for a better group of guys to work with but yeah we're very excited and we we greatly appreciate your support thank you so much for talking so highly of it yeah there there are a few tweaks i saw too uh to this year's i saw i think it was brad post a uh like a snippet of julian fleming's page on twitter earlier today Mm -hmm. uh just in response to another tweet and i saw a couple things in there like the metrics you were talking about and just some updated graphics and stuff it looks really slick and i think some of that stuff should be really helpful. I think I also saw something in there like a, a risk factor. Yeah, that's very intriguing to me. So looking yeah, forward to we, seeing. We all needed kinds of stuff. that. Um, part part of the whole conversation that we have, you know, is uh, how is this how is this guy actually going to translate? What's the draft capital going to look like? That sort of thing, right? So if there's red flags, we don't we don't have a big board that we're presenting either where you could put like the little colorations that NFL teams do and different things like that. So what is the risk level of taking a guy? And we thought, you know what? This is this is perfect. Let's enter that risk into the profile. You know, so it's hard for us to tell you what to do because you're always if you have a guy, go out and get him. You know, but we'll tell you exactly. Here's the risk. Here's what to expect. Here's what we think is going to happen. But we'll get we'll give that to you, and you make your own decision based on what we think. But that risk level kind of tells us, hey, this is what's going to happen. Just beware. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I mean, not everyone plays the same way. So if someone's more averse to taking on risk, I think something mm-hmm. like that would be very helpful. So just I, I saw that that piqued my interest right away. I thought that was cool. Awesome. That's that's great to hear. That's awesome. Thank you. I bet the transfer portal has caused all sorts of hell for you guys, too. Oh, my gosh. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't, I don't even like, want to talk about it. There's still guys in the portal. Like, geez, this is yeah. crazy. Well, honestly, when it came to, like, Kenneth Walker, um, Keontae Ingram, you know, some some of those guys we knew were going to make it in that we were like, holy crap, man, they, they better do something soon. It was nice that it all started happening within the last few weeks, you know, and that, that was very helpful. And we, I'm not sure if it's strategic. Like I said, Brett, Brett and Greg do a great job of, you know, editing and doing all the rankings and everything. Cause once they're in PDF form, it's hard to kind of move it around. So, um, I know they probably wait for a certain time frame, but we were so happy that some of those changes were going to be made, but the transfer portal, holy crap, that was, <laughs> that was not fun for a little while there, especially when you were doing the write-ups. You know, sometimes that write up, the whole thing's got to change. Yeah, it changes the you whole just yeah, outlook. Crumbled up, throw it out, and start fresh. And, you know, we put, I know each one of those write ups takes a good amount of time. So, yeah. Anyway. How many, how many leagues yes. are you in, Jason? I'm just curious. Oh, man. Debbie leagues, I would say about seven. D- overall dynasty, and let's put overall dynasty, Debbie, IDP, probably about 13. And then I have five college fantasy. Not bad. So quite a quite a few. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. 
<laughs> like quite a few. Nah, that's nothing. <laughs> I've cut back to like 25. Oh, I've, so. <laughs> yeah, and that's cutting back. That's cutting back. It, it gets overwhelming after a while. And you know what? It You want to stay active in your leagues because that's what makes it fun and intriguing. And you don't want to be that guy who doesn't really communicate as much. And I started noticing I was doing that when I had too many. That's when you know you got to cut it back. Because one, it's not fair to everybody in your league that you're not communicating and you're kind of fading away a little bit. Even though as soon as the league starts, you're back in it. But you got to make it fun. You want to make your trades, get your team together. And it's just, it's a little bit more easier to manage when you have a select few teams that you really can be passionate about. So, yeah. So I hear you on that one. I mean, I had a hard time following my leagues on Fantrax this year just because my only leagues on there are like college leagues. And then I had like mm-hmm. one or two NFL teams, but all my college leagues rolled over to next year because there was just with the uncertainty around the college season. Uh, most of my uh, leagues just decided to push the because uh, most of my college leagues are like campus to Canton or something like that. I'm not like strictly college side, so most yeah. of those leagues decided to push the like NCAA side out a year. So I just wasn't even on fan tracks that much this year because. I just didn't really need to be, and I kind of forgot about a couple of the NFL leagues I had on there just because I was always on MFL all the time. So I think it was time for me to cut back a little bit. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that came with the uh, college fantasy. Like, I know a lot of our leagues just kind of shut down with fan tracks, and we were... Yeah, college is actually one of my favorite ones. I'm starting to like it more so than even the NFL and Debbie, just because there's... It's so much fun to get to know these players early on. And then, I mean, you guys probably know as well as I do, we get kind of crazy with even high school prospects. And so doing the high school draft and then going into college, and I'm starting to have a little bit more excitement for the college fantasy side of it than I am even the NFL. So, yeah, I, I hear you with the fan tracks part, man. They do they do a good job as far as the platform. Um, we really enjoy working with them for sure. That's very polarizing. Some you, some people absolutely hate it, but I'm like, it's what we got, you know, and, and it's well, better know, than I mean, nothing, you know. It's what we have. Everyone has their perks. Every one of them has their downfalls. It's just kind of the way it goes, you know. My fantasy league and fan tracks. I mean, it's not always going to be perfect, but you know what? When you have good experiences, and maybe I'm just lucky enough to have good experiences with all the platforms I have, and that's maybe it's because I'm not a commissioner in any of them. That's probably it too. <laughs> <laughs> I can have a little bit more fun and not worry about that side. At least you're not running a whole entire league off a of Google sheet or anything like that. In oh. Pinnacle. <laughs> oh, Pinnacle. Pinnacle is a whole different beast. I, I, different I've enjoyed beast. following along with that one. So you guys I'm are drafting. literally about guys. to draft my unborn child. Like that's how deep we are into this <laughs> thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, what is it? Like shoot 150 deep now, 160. We're deep. 150 it's... rounds deep. And you know, what's funny. I was thinking about the other day, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm like, you know what? There's going to be some player that pops off and none of us even drafted. Like, you know, that's going to happen. And we're 150 rounds into this Debbie draft where we are literally, I think someone just took a middle schooler the other day. Like that's how deep it is. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so probably yeah. Shane. Shane's, <laughs> Shane's creepy. Um, anyway, <laughs> all right. So <laughs> we could talk like this all show, but we'll actually right. give you guys some real information. We're going to ask Jason, which one he wanted to talk about. We're, we're going to kind of get into the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, things like that. Get a little bit, Try to get some names in you guys' ears for your upcoming Debbie drafts and things like that. So we're going to go – Jason um, had said he would like to talk about wide receivers. So we'll just kind of 
go over the wide receiver landscape. We talked pretty good last week about the 2024, but so we just wanted to kind of dive in a little bit to maybe some 2022, 2023 guys that you might be out there on, you know, when you're coming up for your rookie dra- or your um, Debbie drafts and things like that. So 2022 class, obviously got a boost by having Chris Olave come back, but guys like Garrett Wilson, George Pickens, Traylon Burks, David Bell, yeah, these guys are all probably already taken, but I'm just kind of curious. I wanted to ask you this in particular, Jason. What? It, yeah. How do? You, how does Justin Ross fit into the 2022 class? How do you guys? What do you think of him? I mean, he's kind of a curious case. Yeah, he is, and actually, I was the one who actually got the chance to cover him. So what I will say is he he's a risk factor, but he's also not because we got a chance to see what he can do, right? So we can check that part off, like his upside is a high upside wide receiver if he's healthy. The fact that he got cleared is a huge deal because I think when this first happened with him and we weren't sure about if he was ever going to play again, now he's back. And he's back with Clemson. And he's back with another good quarterback and another good group of of talent around him. I'm very intrigued by Justin Ross. I'm I'm more interested to see how he is on the field if he's in football shape or not. Not so much whether he is the talent that we remember. That That's going to be there. Um, it's just what type of shape is he in? And that's the unknown. So Justin Ross, to me, it still deserves to be up there. Um, if he's going to be a starter for Clemson, uh, yeah, he deserves to be higher up on the rankings, regardless of the unknown right now. Just because if you look at the other players uh, that we have in this tier, I think Ross has some of the best upside possible is again, it's just, I want to see him on the field and see what he looks like, but the talent and skill set, I'm not concerned about that at all. I was, I was happy that we got that time frame to watch him excel, succeed, show what he can do as a dominant 50, 50 ball receiver. I don't really have the concerns. Like I said, I just want to see him. Right. Yeah. He should easily be the alpha in that, you know, yeah. in that, that room. I mean, so of, of these guys, Joseph, I'll throw it over to you. I mean, who are you looking forward to most, you know, outside of the top, you know, five, six guys in this class, the 2022, is there a couple names that stick out guys that could really take a step forward this year? There are a few. Um, I think Drake London is a guy I'm very intrigued by. I mean, he's six, five, two twenty. He looks a little lanky out there. He doesn't have top end speed. Um, but I really like the way he's able to produce in the middle of the field. John Mechie is another one. I think with Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle leaving for the NFL, you're going to see Mechie kind of vault up ranks as people anticipate him being the next Alabama number one wide receiver. I don't necessarily see that in Mechie's game. I think he's best suited to a complementary role, whether that's a number two or number three receiver. Um, I actually, as we talked about last week, I like Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay Hall. Uh, quite a bit more than I like Mechie. But I do think Mechie will be drafted probably on day two of the NFL draft, just coming from the Alabama program, getting to play with Bryce Young, probably being the number one receiver next year just due to his familiarity in the program. Uh, But a couple guys a little bit further down I wanted to talk about were Jaden Reed out of Michigan State. And Dwight, I know you're a Spartans fan. Damn you. Uh, So I'll leave him to you. And Jaden Hazelwood. So Hazelwood uh, was a five-star recruit, uh, one of the top uh, wide receivers in his class a couple years ago, uh, tore his ACL, didn't really play up until late last year, and he actually played last year 
uh, which was a very quick recovery from his knee injury. But uh, he's ultra quick. I really like um, Hazelwood. And alongside Marvin Mims and a couple of their incoming freshmen, um, really looking forward to what he can do. So uh, I don't know how deep we want to get into talking about some of these guys, but uh, those are just a few of the names that aren't like the top four or five that everyone seems to have atop their ranks for this class that I really like and could see ascending in this coming year. Yeah, I'll start. I'll start with Reed. Unfortunately, I didn't really get a chance to go in depth with Jaden Reed at Michigan State, so I don't want to pretend like I know a lot about him. Um, like I said, we are kind of assigned certain conferences and stuff, so he's one I never got to do a deep dive on. So. Um, I'll kind of leave him out for the time being, but I did get a chance to really deep uh, dig deep into the Oklahoma offense. Uh, Jaden Hazelwood, I I wasn't really intrigued with this high school film coming out, even though he was such a highly regarded prospect. Um, he does the typical for a guy that has that size, right? He makes a good adjustments to the ball. He's aggressive at the catch point. Uh, there's just he's the alpha guy in a contested situation to me. Him getting injured and the production profile that he has to this point is slightly concerning. And the fact that he's it's not just going to be him next year, right? We have Theo Weiss. Theo Weiss was actually the guy in that offense, even though a lot of his gameplay and Marvin Mims kind of popping off didn't really show that. But his targets, the way he was running routes, he was the guy. And so I do believe that he might maintain that and we'll see a pretty good rise from Theo Weiss. Uh, Marvin Mims, is, it's the play strength for me. He got opened a lot, so the separation quickness is there. But I'm, I'm concerned about that play strength, so that is something that I want to see him do a little bit more with over the offseason is get a little bit stronger, put on a little bit more mass. But Hazelwood is very intriguing. Uh, I do believe that Rattler is going to try to find him a lot. But I don't know. You said the quickness. I didn't necessarily see the quickness with him. That might have been because of injury based on the film that I watched. Maybe he wasn't 100%. But I didn't see the quickness in his high school film either. I just saw a dominant receiver at the catch point who knows exactly how to manipulate. Now, I will say that he's great with his eyes and he's great with his body gestures to manipulate defenders to get open. Um you know, he can high point, he can box out. So that is what you want to see from a player of, of his stature. But I am more intrigued with the growth of Theo Weiss. Um, I think we kind of know what Marvin Mims is, even though that breakout at such a young age is something to monitor. He needs to put on more mass. Uh, Hazel, Hazelwood could pop off. Uh, it, it's absolutely a possibility. But I don't know if the amount of targets and Rattler passing it around with how much they're going to run the ball now, especially with Eric Gray there. I'm not sure how much volume he's going to get to really help his production profile. That's my biggest concern with him and the development. He's just got to stay healthy. Yeah. I I mean, I I do have Weiss ranked significantly above him right now, just based on what we've seen to this point. Mm -hmm. But I feel like Hazelwood has been completely forgotten about. And I think, as you mentioned, Oh, he has. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. His ball skills, his body control, even his frame, I think, as long as we see him healthy, like you mentioned, um, and on the field with Rattler and the Lincoln Riley offense, I would expect him to rise. I don't think it would be in his best interest to declare after the next year, unless he's no, fully healthy and absolutely dominates. I think it would be good to see mm-hmm. another two years of him in that offense, but um, he is someone that I did really like. I know I was probably higher on him 
than most. Although he was a five-star recruit, I think most in the industry were a bit lower on him coming out than his uh, like composite rank. But I did really like him coming out. So just a, a guy I do want to monitor for the coming year. See, and that's why having these conversations is so good because I might see something and you might see something different and we're watching the same film. And that's why I think this is so interesting to me, you know, uh, and it doesn't mean anybody's wrong. You just kind of see what you see and you find traits that you are intrigued with. And don't get me wrong. I think Hazel was a fantastic prospect uh, as far as what he's, his strength is. And like you said, it's his frame, it's his adjustment, it's his body control. Like for what he does, he does it extremely well. Um, I'm just not sure about the athleticism. I don't think he has elite speed. But again, he it, it takes an off season where there wasn't one last year and he was dealing with injuries. It takes an off season of development for a, a prospect to completely change. My concern is that we are looking for him to really reboot his production profile this season. I don't know if he can do that with Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims at the helm asking for targets as well. That's that's a concern. Yeah, fair. Just a, a buy low, a, a very good opportunity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And- I mean, the upside is there. So the window is never going to be more luxurious for him right than it is right now. There's a couple of guys in that same boat, you know, Brew McCoy, you could probably get really cheap still, you know, Puka Nakua, I think that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce it from Washington. You know, a couple of guys that are really highly regarded coming in that haven't really done anything up until this point. I'm curious, what do you guys think of Ron- Wandale Robinson landing in Kentucky? I, I like it. I like the landing spot a lot. I think it's fantastic for him. I'm a little, I'm a little off when it comes to Robinson as a fantasy asset at the next level per se because he's obviously going to be a role type player and i don't i'm going to value guys who i think have more positional starting uh stature to them as far as the guys who have the size have the athleticism the speed to be at least a wide receiver one or wide receiver two um robinson could be a ppr god but that is also asking a lot from a guy uh, with his type of ability. So that's that's my that's my worry with him is that he will just be a role type player and I don't know how highly you want to rank a guy like that, but he's sure as hell talented and extremely athletic. Yeah, a lot of people chase that, you know. They they chase that the athletic ability, you know, like Kadarius Tony, you know, Dwayne Eskridge, you know, that they, they see those flashes of that athletic prowess, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I have a hard time investing in that as far as a fantasy standpoint, but they're sure fun to watch, but you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at Deuce Vaughn. I love Deuce Vaughn. And <laughs> he, he's like Darren Sproles 2.0 and Lord knows he's definitely going to be a role guy, but man, he is one of those that I, I might even just take him in a Debbie just, just for the, cause I, I want to root for him so much. I, I love everything I saw about Deuce Vaughn. So once you find those guys, even though they're smaller, it is like, I always say it is fun to kind of get your guys so you can root from them, you know? And if I have a deep Debbie roster, I'm, I'm, I might, because I do believe that he'll have a role just like Wondell Robinson. He'll have a role. It just might not be an all-time starter, but God, are they fun? They are so much fun to root for too. I think Robinson's going to get pitch and told into a gadget role. Just probably. Uh, I don't think he has the size to play running back full time. I don't think he's. No, I don't either. 
refined enough to play slot receiver full time, but he's electric with the ball in his hands. He can absolutely fly. Uh, yeah. So I th- I think he'll be valuable to an NFL offense. I don't necessarily think he'll be valuable for a fantasy team. So he's a guy whose profile I probably would have been on a lot more a couple of years ago, just chasing the versatility and athleticism. But I don't necessarily think the NFL will value him as much as his name can probably draw in a trade in a Debbie league right now. Yeah. And all you could take is history for us, right? As far as the guys who are every, um, that get the most snaps in an offense. And that's what you're looking for as far as fantasy production goes. And usually guys of his size and stature, they, they don't. Um, so all we can do is kind of raise up the guys that have the possibility of benefiting our fantasy teams and maybe dropping down the the Robinsons, even though the upside is definitely there. I'm okay with missing on a Robinson if I went for a guy that I felt has starter potential. I feel like a lot of guys of that archetype get compared to the same exact types of players over and over again. It's like the mm-hmm. the hybrid types get compared to Percy Harvin, and it's like these high-end comps that were obviously outliers for a reason. And I, I like Robinson a lot. I just I don't necessarily think he's going to translate quite like that. So it's a good yeah, point. T- time will tell. I, I think yeah. this season could be explosive. for. I, I like him for college fantasy, I'll tell you that, though. For oh, sure. Hell yeah. <laughs> Kentucky's, Kentucky knows how to use a player like that. Oh so, my God. yeah, it's, it's going to be a He's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, we'll translate into the 2023 class. Um, we got some big names, obviously. Keishan Boutte, Damon Damas, Rakeem Jarrett, JSB, JSN, JSB, I almost called JSB. Anyways, Quentin Johnson, Marvin Mims, J- Jordan Addison came on really strong this year. Josh Downs, you know, some of these big names that you guys that everybody should know and everybody should have rostered. But just kind of curious, Jason, is there any guys that you covered in this 2023 class that kind of stood out that maybe aren't in the top five or seven there? Um, I, you know what? I didn't cover him, but I am really intrigued by Jalen McMillan out of Washington. I, you know, his high school film, he rated really high for me. And I fell in love with his game. And if you watch the uh, All-American game, he he put on a show. And Garrett Wilson was my guy the year before. He was my wide receiver one coming out of high school. And I saw from – they both did kind of the same thing in, the, in that game. They both took it over and they both dominated. And I'm not saying it's all about that, but the, the talent is definitely there. I'm not sure who the quarterback's going to be. I am in, a little intrigued with Pat O'Brien who transferred over. Uh, he's a bigger guy, big arm, but um, you know it, it could be Sam Heward. Who, who knows at this point? But I do think McMillan has the talent to rise. So he he's a guy I didn't necessarily cover for the Debbie Watch, but I've been all over him. So he's a name I definitely want to bring up because I think he needs to be on Debbie radars for sure. Um, and then there was one other guy that – oh, Quentin Johnson. Um, I did cover him, and he's a – Bigger guy out of TCU. And that TCU offense is actually the only issue I have with Quentin Johnson. I think he's got the athleticism. I think he has excellent awareness, good concentration, catching the ball outside of his frame. I mean, he can really do it all. Might not have the crispest route breaks, but he does it with strength and tenacity. So Quentin Johnson is a guy that I would keep on your radar as well. The problem is that I think we need to see more from that TCU offense that is really pigeonholing his upside. Yeah, I... um out of the entire class, Jalen McMillan was the exact guy that I was going to talk about. So ah, there you go. Snipe me a little bit there. But I mean, <laughs> bit, due to what we didn't really see last year and the Pac-12 playing very few games, 
Um, I think similar to how I was kind of talking about Hazelwood, I think McMillan's a guy that got forgotten about quite a bit mm-hmm. with some of the breakouts from guys like Marvin Mims and Quentin Johnston and Jordan Addison and Jermaine Burton and some of the other guys in this 2023 class that may not have been necessarily as heralded. But McMillan is a uh, breakout candidate that I really, really like uh, as someone that I, I had in my top three last year coming out. Yeah, I, I could not agree more with you there. Curious, we didn't see a lot of Julian Fleming as a f- true freshman. Have your thoughts on him changed at all? What do you? What? How do you really view Fleming right now? Uh, I Fleming as a talent is unbelievable. The problem is that depth chart, and nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. The only thing that changed is Justin Fields. Um, Chris Olave is there, uh, you know, and Garrett Wilson, who I think is going to be an outstanding prospect. Uh, first round ability is still there. Um, even the tight end is still there. Nothing changed, and that's a huge problem because there's so much talent behind those three guys. And Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, I mean, it's ridiculous what Ohio State has done with their recruiting of wide receivers. It's unbelievable. And the, the depth chart is, I mean, my God, I I am glad I didn't have to cover Ohio State because I would have done a lot of writing, to be quite honest with you. And I feel sorry <laughs> for the one who did because there's so many prospects to write about. Um, but Julian Fleming alone is a great talent. Now, I will say this, and um, it, it's something that it stuck with me, and LJ used to say it all the time, LJ Cheney. Talent will always rise, and I do believe that. And I think the talent for Julian Fleming will rise. I just think that in this case, you got to be careful because there's context involved of why his profile will look the way it looks, and it's not going to be his fault. It's just going to be because there's there's an abundance of talent on that roster, and there's only so many times you could throw the ball when they're going to be running a lot as well that Fleming is going to get lost in lost in the flock, and Jackson Smith as well. He's another one. I think he's extremely talented. And we saw from that one catch he had last season right along the sideline, I mean, that that's upside for him right there. He's got excellent concentration, good adjustment. He can high point like crazy, and he's quick. He's agile. His high school film showed that he's an excellent route runner. It's a shame that these guys are stuck behind even more talent that I like as well. So I can't even be upset. I'm like rooting for everybody. So it's a very difficult situation. But Julian Fleming, if you're asking me, and that's my long version of an answer, he's extremely talented, but his production profile is going to look horrible. Yeah, I think in terms of pure Debbie leagues, uh, campus to Canton leagues or college to Canton leagues will probably look a little different. But pure Debbie, I think these guys are probably going to present a little bit of a discount just based on Mm -hmm. not being able to produce a whole lot. Like Mika Buka, like top receiver in the class, not necessarily for me, but if you look at the composite, he's right there. And I mean, he played garbage competition but mm-hmm. he's not going to play for two years probably unless yep. you see some of the guys in front of him transfer out and it's not necessarily a sure thing so i just i don't really know how to value the ohio state guys i mean i think they're all talented but if we don't see them play and some of the other guys in their classes are playing and rising it just i really like fleming i just don't know how to where to rank them at this point yeah and i don't think you're I don't think you have to right now, and right. I've done that. I've kind of left guys in my personal rankings out, 
and I'm okay with that right now because I don't think it's fair. They're in a stuck they're in a stuck depth chart that they can't do anything about. It was a crap off uh it was a crap season for them to be in in general. There was no off season, no like preliminary way of them to gain any chemistry whatsoever or understand the system. And Fleming and, and Jackson Smith still got out there. Right. Just the fact that they were out there, that tells me that there's something there that the coaching staff is anxious to see what they can do. And that that's a great sign. But I don't think it's really fair for us to use the analytics that we use on prospects normally when it comes to draft day for them because it's not going to look right and you're going to miss out on some great prospects if you go off of that. They're not going to have the breakout age. you know. They're not going to have the production profile from the first, from the freshman or sophomore year. It's just kind of the way it goes, and you got to be very careful with that. This is where, with those two, got to trust the film and the talent. Yeah, it's the same thing we saw with the Al- Alabama room the last couple of years mm-hmm. where uh, yeah. Devontae Smith and, uh, I mean, Henry Ruggs is slightly different, but these guys aren't breaking out till the last year uh, of their careers there, and it's because they're competing with three or four other first-rounders in their entire, like, in their own depth chart, so... I think Ohio State, even though they haven't had a first-round receiver in the last few years, they're going to have a few coming up real soon. So yeah. it's going to be the same situation. So good, just a, a nice reminder to utilize both film and, and analytics or metrics or what, however you decide to, to weigh your process, just to use them both in tandem. Yeah, especially after this year, you're really not going to have a choice. You know, if you go <laughs> off that, I mean, some of these teams only played four games. Right. I mean, how, what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, I mean, Rakeem Jarrett, let's talk about him, right? Two, both of his touchdowns came in one game against Penn State off the same exact play. I think it was like a post route or <laughs> yeah. something. It was the same play. So both of his touchdowns were going to increase his dominator rating, right? Because he got the two touchdowns. Uh, you're going to use that. And he did have a breakout. He's extremely talented. Don't get me wrong. But he only played so many games. And there's just so much context you gotta you you really gotta analyze. So when it comes down to it, Jarrett's a good talent, but for some other players, they might be in the same position as Jarrett. They just didn't get a chance to do what he did in those four games, if that makes sense. Yeah, and if you're going off a small sample size like that, and you're using metrics that are percentage based, if one of, if a good player was out one of those games, and mm-hmm. uh, you had a, a stronger target share kind of shift towards a player lower on the depth chart, they're going to look a lot better than they would have if they played more than four or five games just because you're dividing it your sample by four instead of 12 or 13. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a good point. Yep. Um, I do want to discuss Demond Demas with you guys. And I'm curious to see where everybody is with him. I I loved him. Absolutely loved him. Right, I mean, he he's not even of this world with his athleticism. Him and Julian Fleming were my one-two, and I had uh, Jalen McMillan as three coming out of high school. And the fact that he really didn't do anything last year, didn't he really get on the field per se? That is a concern to me, and I'm trying to. F- I, I wanted to go back and look and try to figure out why. And you know, he was kind of raw. If you really looked at his film, it was really based off his athleticism, but that should have still gotten him on the field. Uh, He didn't play that last year of high school, so he was out of football for a while. That is slightly concerning to me. The athletic upside is there, 
But I think right now, and the reason I am bringing him up, and I'm saying all this, it sounds terrible, but if you were ever going to get him on your roster, like right now before spring ball happens, you need to do it like right now, like maybe even tonight because it's never going to be as low. Because once he gets on the field, if if we all believe in the talent that we saw with him coming out of high school and his pedigree, it's not going to take him long for his value to go skyrocketing if and when that happens. I'm going to send trade offers for him tonight before Dwight publishes this tomorrow. <laughs> um, you, yeah. just got to, you just got to play it right. And, you know, he think about it. He was going pretty high, you know, in Debbie oh, drafts high, and yeah. college fantasy football. And he's a forgotten name at this point. Nobody's even talked about him. He hasn't even played, really played football in two years. If you think about how much run he got last season. So, yeah, th- those are guys that you got to take advantage of with the values. Yeah, I mean, I, I run the Devi mocks at DLF, and uh, in the one QB mocks that we had, there was a point last offseason where he was going in the second round of drafts, and that's with as loaded of a 2021 receiver yeah. class as we have. Like, he, he got up there real quick, but hasn't played in two years, basically. Uh, basically, I, yeah. I, I don't know why he didn't play more this year, because they don't really have anyone on that in, in that receiver room that should be playing over him if he doesn't play much again this year which i don't think he i i don't know there isn't a reason why he wouldn't but if if for some reason he can't get on the field then i'll probably be off him even though his athleticism he he's probably a top 10 percent athlete in the nfl right now already Mm -hmm. but he is raw Uh, on his high school film he won on athleticism most of the time most of the time yeah I mean, there's a lot of stuff he does that I really like, but uh, he needs more of those reps just to get the the refinement down. And I would, I hope he plays because uh, he was my number one receiver coming out last year. I think I have him at like four or five in this class right now, but I, I also don't really know what to do with him because there isn't a reason why he shouldn't have been on the field more. So I, I don't know. Yeah, and that unknown is a value to us as far as trade value goes. Right. I mean, we don't know, but the fact that you can probably get him as a throw-in in a trade at this point, that that wasn't supposed to happen for a guy with his pedigree and talent. So that's why you got to look at these guys who were going really high with their values coming out of high school. It's always going to happen. They're going to drop, but you can see a future for them and a breakout year for them. You, you got to get them before that window slams shut. Glance at the 24 class a little bit. I mean, we did talk about him, like I said, a little bit last week. Although we, when I was editing the episode, I realized we talked about quarterbacks for about 40 of the hour and 40 minutes of the hour for some reason. Um, <laughs> so we didn't we didn't spend a lot of time on the wide receivers uh, because the 2024 class, running quarterback class is pretty fun to talk about. So. We do have some interesting names in this 2024 class. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, the Amika Yeah, I am so bad at names. I don't know why I do this host thing. I, I'm bad a- too, Amika which is Abuka. why I was saying yeah. Jackson Smith because I didn't want to try to say the whole name. So yeah, I'm right exactly. there with you, so, <laughs> so you guys both had mentioned that you did not have him at number one. Um, who is who is your number one in the 2024 class, Jason? You know what? I don't really have but Jacory Brooks is probably going to be the guy that I'm looking at the most in this class but I am not a fan of this class at all there wasn't really a prospect that popped out to me that I would you know when we were talking about like like slam it down saying this is my guy I don't have one 
like Garrett Wilson to me, he was easy. Uh, I, I would jump up and down all day long for him coming out of high school. I don't have a guy like that. You know, I, I will say that a lot of people are lower on him, but I've seen this before. A guy like Marvin Harrison Jr., he might not have the athleticism that we're looking on, but you have to look at the whole picture of what he does on the field. He's outstanding route runner for his size. I mean, his breaks, he knew exactly how to manipulate with his eyes, his hips, and body gestures. And just because he doesn't have fluid, crisp breaks because he's not a twitchy, explosive athlete doesn't mean he doesn't know how to separate. He separates with strength, and he separates with manipulation. And that, to me, if someone is able to do that at the high school level with his size, I'm very intrigued by that. Um, like I said, I'm not over the moon for any one of these guys, but Marvin Harrison is probably a lot higher for me than he is for, for most people. And I know I got into uh, a debate with a lot of the Debbie Watch guys about it all, as well. I just see certain things in players. And, hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not really losing out. But there is something with Marvin Harrison Jr. And, again, of course he's on Ohio State, so I'm going to be wrong in the long <laughs> term, right? It's just the way it goes. But uh, I would not count him out. There, there's definitely something there. His, his adjustment, his eyes, his, the just he contorts his body midair so amazing. And I saw a sideline catch where he had the awareness to keep both feet in in high school. He doesn't even have to do that. He just did it. And um, yeah, Harrison's a guy that I'm really, really high on. How do you, uh, how do you guys feel? Have you gotten to watch him at all? I think so. I was just looking at twenty four seven. Uh, and he's the 14th ranked receiver in the composite. I have him at wide receiver four in this class. So I like him a lot more than the composite does for a lot of the same reasons you mentioned. Um, I, I just think he's as technically refined as you'll see a high school receiver. Just he's very smooth. I, I think he really the one thing I, I want to see, I, and he's not the most athletic receiver, but I don't necessarily see play strength, but he separates at ease. I think he has really strong hands, um, snaps out of breaks quickly, even though he's not necessarily fast in a straight line. So I, I think a lot of the technical, more nuanced stuff that comes with reps at the position, uh, I think he already has those down, which I think is really important because he's not going to get those reps at Ohio State. So yeah, that's exactly. one of the things where if you were kind of taking a guy that needed a lot more projection and threw him on Ohio State where he wasn't going to play for two years, I'd be very worried. Whereas with Marvin Harrison, he's not going to get those reps, but I don't necessarily think he needs them as much as someone else because I think he's already very refined. And my questions with him are just strength and athleticism. I think he has the frame to add some weight, so I don't necessarily think that'll be as much of a concern for me. So really the only real question I have with him is his speed. And I think he can add some speed. So I like you him a lot more. You literally read right off my notes. Like, do you have a copy of it? Can you see my screen? I can. that was exactly what I have. Yeah. You you nailed every single point. And um, that that's the one thing that I look for is how intelligent are they coming out of high school? And do they do things that if they're doing it now, they are going to be special three or four years from now. And I, I like to look for that. Um, like I said, Garrett Wilson had that. And it's just, once you see it, you, you kind of have to bang the table for it a little bit. Um, I do want to go over these Alabama receivers because Alabama reloaded, right? They 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 did it. Yeah. And they did it, what looks like they did it out of Florida. Um, there's a pipeline there now, that's, that's for sure. 
And before I came on, believe it or not, we were still having the discussion of how to rank these guys in the Debbie Watch, even tonight. And it comes out on March 1st because we want to make sure we have it right. Um, it's unbelievable. I would say that Brooks is the guy that we are looking at the most, but you know, JoJo's electric. I'm just concerned about the size. I'm hoping that when we project a guy like that, that he has maybe that Rondale Moore uh, type of uh, size to him, maybe even Elijah Moore, where he's in the 185s, 190 at 5'9". That would be okay with his particular skill set. Um, we've seen that the the NFL is okay with going with smaller receivers. So sometimes you have to project where could that weight fluctuation be by the time they actually get the draft day. And that's kind of how crazy we get. Um, but I'm curious to see where you guys are because Brooks is top. And we are literally still having a debate on how to fluctuate the rest of them. So I'm curious to see where you guys are. Last week on our pod, I, um, I cut one of our guests off and two say that Ja'Cory Brooks was wide receiver one. Um, so I do have him a good bit higher than a couple of the other guys, although I do have JoJo Earl as my, my wide receiver three in the 2024 class. I love small, twitchy receivers, but I do I, I worry about their pro projection if they don't necessarily win with traits outside of their speed. And mm-hmm. I think Earl does. I, I think he does win with traits other than quickness, uh, especially out of the slot. But I tend to gravitate towards the prototypical alpha type receivers. And I think Brooks and Ajay Hall fit that mold a lot more than Jojo Earl does, obviously. Um, so the way I have them ranked is Brooks, then Earl, then Hall, and Christian Leary, uh, like a distant fourth for me, mainly because I haven't watched a ton of him. Uh, so I don't necessarily know where to slot him in. Hall, I think, is the most violent uh, of the three. I think mm-hmm. he um, he has good ball skills. And I think he's – I don't really know how to put it other than like he, ha- he plays with like that dog in him. Brooks ran a really slow timed 40, but he saw him on film separating from guys, catching a ton of screens – returning punts at img like you don't do that if you're slow i I like his speed even though he's probably more of a a build-up long strider i don't know i haven't gotten super deep into the 24 class i just i think brooks prototypes as a a potential number one receiver in a weaker class uh earl i think is probably a he could turn into a an electric possession receiver but I don't necessarily think he's going to uh, turn into like a, a dominant NFL player. I think uh, a, a good long-term ceiling for him would be like a T.Y. Hilton. But I, I will admit I haven't necessarily watched him enough to know if that's the exact type of player he is. I just think given the frame and the quickness and the speed, I think that's probably what you would hope a player like that to turn into. And Ajay Hall, I think, probably has the highest ceiling, but is probably the most raw out of the three that I've watched a lot of. I actually think you nailed all of them. I mean, let's let's put with Brooks. I think Jerry Judy ran like a four six something at a high school. Uh, the film doesn't show that. 
I don't really care what he ran right now. It's funny. I'm I'm an idiot like that where, oh, he ran a 4.45 in high school. That's that's awesome. And then when it comes to a guy like I love his film, I'm like, he ran a 4.67? Ah, no big deal. Like That's just kind of how I get. <laughs> but Brooks has the film to kind of back up that I don't think he runs slow. I think he's much faster than his, than his time. Um, and I agree with you with Hall. I think Hall is an athletic freak. Almost let's let's put him almost like Demondemus, where he has the athleticism and he's kind of banking on that in high school right now. And he really just has to put it together. And I think both Jojo Earl and Hall went to the correct places because if there's any team that knows how to use players in space and get them open and maximize their athletic ability, whether they're small or big, it's Alabama, and they. They literally, if they, we talked about tonight, if a team was ever going to get four different types of wide receivers and know how to use them, Alabama did that with the four players that they have coming in. All of them are kind of completely different with different types of upside. And that that's pretty incredible. It's, they knew exactly how they wanted to design that offense, which is pretty awesome. And I'm, I'm kind of with you. I have literally uh, as a distant fourth as well. But Hall... It would not surprise me if Hall is the one who pops off just because I do believe he has the most athleticism and upside uh, in that Alabama office, especially with the quarterback play he's going to have backing him up. It's almost like Alabama knows how to build a complete team. Right? It, it, it's it's, it's crazy, crazy talk. It's crazy. <laughs> um, and you know what? Troy, Flank, Troy Franklin, as we were talking about Jojo Earl, he's another one. Uh, I don't like the offense he went to. But, man, he's he's twitchy and explosive on film. And he's got the deep speed. Uh, I do think he needs to refine some of his route running. But, again, this is high school we're talking about, so I'm not going to get too picky. Uh, if we're looking at high school prospects, it's what are they doing now and how do I see them projecting in the future? Uh, th- there's definitely something there with Franklin, but, man, he needs to put on some mass at the same time. I think he's in that 170 range. I'd be I'd be happy if he got to 185 with the frame that I saw. Um, from his high school film, but I do believe that he has some nice upside as well. Yeah, I, I thought Oregon's offense has been gross for a few years, but I am a huge fan of Ty Thompson, so I'm hoping he wins the starting job there because I think him and Franklin would be a nice pairing to go alongside yeah. uh, Dante Thornton, who's coming in, and um, I'm just completely blanking on the guy last year that popped a little bit. Uh, Tom up, uh, not Pitt. Uh, Devin Williams, Pittman. Williams, Williams. Yeah, Williams, yeah. yeah. P- Pittman yeah. can't stay healthy. I really like nah, him. Nah, I-, I liked him for a little while, but yeah, he can't stay healthy. Yeah, Devin Williams, he he came on pretty strong. That was that was nice to see. Him. He's a big boy. You got a sleeper tight end you want to talk about, Jason? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever read any of my stuff, I am completely off rostering Debbie tight ends ever. There's no point to it. Yeah, if you're if you don't have Eric Gilmore and or Gilbert and Darnell Washington, that's yeah, it, it's tough to roster. Maybe Weidemeyer, and that's yeah. probably Michael about Meyer. It. Yeah, yeah. They're oh not, yeah, not Michael Mayer's. Yeah, he's he's changing my mind a little bit. He looks like the real deal. Michael Mayer was the only guy I pounded the table for last year outside of Gilbert, who and anyone with an internet connection saw was special. Uh, Mayer was the one guy <laughs> that I, I was really highly drafting. I, I thought he he had like the just prototypical size, uh, dominant in the in the run game, uh, effective receiver. I think he's going to be uh, a better version of Pat Fryermuth, and if not for Gilbert, I think he'd be the clear tight end one in Devi. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And it's actually my fault that he wasn't necessarily in last year's Debbie Watch at first because I I just have a hard time telling people to take freshman tight ends because sure. it takes them <laughs> three to four years to develop in the NFL. So I'm literally right. telling you to take a guy who you're going to be rostering for seven years possibly. I, I just I can't do that to somebody. Like I feel dirty. It feels wrong. So I just leave the freshman tight ends away. I just leave them out completely. As you should. We yeah. rarely ever, rarely ever talk about them. So, or other than just a, hey, we got ten more minutes. Hey, let's throw in tight ends. All right. <laughs> and we've literally just started doing that. So. so, all right, all right, Jason. Um, we know what you're working on, but you can tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, and you know if you have anything else you want to say. Yeah. Well, first off, I left two guys out um, just because we were talking about the Debbie Watch and certain aspects of it. But uh, Clayton Stefan at DW underscore Clayton and uh, Cody Garrett at underscore Cody Garrett. Uh, those two are phenomenal scouts. And, you know, we work together really hard with those profiles. And those two definitely deserve the recognition amongst uh, the rest of the guys we spoke of tonight. So uh, go ahead, give them a follow as well. And you can find me at All Purpose Scout on Twitter. Um, again, we're at DeviWatch.com. We got the DeviWatch 2001 edition coming out March 1st, so make sure you pre-order that. Um, and then I'm also working with some stuff with the Scouting Academy. We have a couple shows that we're doing. Uh, Sophomore Leap, where we are identifying, um, uh, basically, I, I say freshmen because of college, but first-year players who could pop off in their sophomore years in the NFL. Uh, so we're going to start that series up, and we're also doing Big Play Anatomy, where we're taking plays from from prospects who have popped off in the NFL and showing you why it happened and if you can continue to expect it from them. So those are two things I'm doing with the Scouting Academy and just really exciting stuff and thankful for the op- op- all the opportunities I'm getting and thankful to be talking with you guys. I appreciate you having me on. This is a lot of fun and we definitely need to do it again. Where can you find that Scouting Academy stuff? Is that on their site or? Uh, it's, it's actually not on their site. You can find it um, on my Twitter handle. Um, at All Purpose Scout. And you could also find it on their YouTube page. If you go to the Scouting Academy YouTube page, it's on there. But um, most of the stuff that we're going to be doing right now is going to be on the Scouting Academy Twitter handle as well. Excellent. Excellent. Joseph? In a little bit of a hiatus in terms of actual produced content, but all my work is on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Um, been with DLF for a few years. Um, you can find me on Twitter at jnamore24. Uh, again, not necessarily the most active person on there either, so don't really know why I'm plugging my stuff right now when I don't have a lot of stuff to plug. But <laughs> that, that's where my work can be found uh, when I eventually put something out again. I'm telling you, man, just pop on there and say something bad about someone's rankings and just slink <laughs> away. That's, that's, that's all people do. So. That's all Twitter is now. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting bored in this. Some some people are getting bored in this this time of waiting for the draft. And so I I don't know whatever craziness. All right, you can find me on Twitter at FF People's Champ. Working over at the Nerds, the Devi editor over there. We got all kinds of Devi stuff we're working on, C to C ADP stuff like that. So it's kind of what I'm working on now. You can find this podcast here at Devi Manual on Twitter, and go get the Devi Watch. What the hell are you waiting for? All right, exactly. We'll to, go get it. Talk to you guys Our next first. week. Yep. Alright, talk to you guys later. Don't forget about the Mountain West, the back that can flex. Sunbelt is next. Ivy League fresh. Literally dope. Thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test. I'm serious. They will talk about the most obscure players on this planet. Potentially another planet. Like. 
who's got a 4-3-40 from Mars, like, I don't know, I, it's too much, I'm done, I'm gone this time, like, don't bring it back in, enjoy your podcast.